0: Welcome. Welcome to Impact Unicorns, the podcast where you meet inspirational entrepreneurs building the next generation
1: of transformative companies.
0: And now, here is your host, Dr. Internal Ghosh. Award-winning author, investor, and advisor to global leaders. Welcome to Impact Unicorns. And today I'm delighted to have Patricia Silva on the podcast. Welcome from sunny Lisbon, Patricia.
1: Hi, Dr. Thank you very much, Hello.
0: Well, Patricia uh, is a civil engineer by training, and she's had a long career in sustainability. She uh, developed and built wind farms in Eastern Europe, sustainable buildings in uh, South America, And then caught the entrepreneurial bug and started building impact companies and becoming an impact investor in in, uh, the energy transition and sustainability space. And today we're going to focus on the carbon economy or the negative carbon economy, I should say. So excited to have you with us.
1: Likewise, Indranil, looking forward to this discussion.
0: Well, let's start by hearing a little bit more about yourself. Um, You've had this uh, very interesting technology uh, meets investing, meets entrepreneurship career. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that all evolved and how did you catch the entrepreneurial bug? We're always interested in that particular question, uh, (laughs) talking to our guests.
1: Yeah, I think that also has to do with the background of what I studied before. I I always uh, like to build stuff. I I did it with my, my brothers when I was little and uh, actually, my brother followed the civil engineering career and just because I was fascinated and I think he influenced me, I followed that as well. So I like to build out, I like to, to manage projects uh, and throughout my career as I was doing that in, in the climate, in the sustainability field, I realized for a lot of solutions, you really need to you know, be hands-on to deliver them. Of course, they have a lot of, um, um, let's say, uh, SaaS-based solutions, more software solutions, but my side, the, what I like the most is really to build hands-on. So uh, eventually with that, uh, wanting to build things, being a civil engineer, I think it also attracted me to, to building new things, uh, not just improving you know, a part of a company, but also helping build companies from scratch, especially. Um, so slowly, as I built my career and started learning more about the climate space, um, I started wanting to be connected with... Um, interpreters who are super inspiring, really wanted um, to to create solutions for climate. And I was just attracted. Uh, I was was inspired about what they're doing, as well as I also wanted to help in that space. So slowly I started advising companies in that space. Uh, I also worked uh, full time in several startups, uh, early stage. That's when I, I feel that I, I can bring more value to the team, and also I'm more excited about the day-to-day in terms of every day's difference. Um, and eventually, I started exploring, uh, as I mentioned a bit, uh, the advising space, advisory space, as well as the access to financing to these companies. And and with that, I started having even a, a broader overview of who is out there, the solutions that are out there, and really. Just continue being inspired by a number of entrepreneurs, not just working in one project, but working in several uh, to solve for the climate crisis.
0: Well, I know you've looked at a wide range of energy transition and sustainability uh, businesses across you know all sectors, but one of the areas of recent focus that I'm very interested in is uh, negative carbon business models. So, trying to you know take out more carbon from the atmosphere, carbon dioxide, than uh, is being released through some sort of an industrial or or, or negative carbon process could be biological solutions. I suppose. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's driving um, these carbon removal or negative carbon uh, type of business models.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, well, first of all, is is the the understanding over time that um, how much we have emitted to the atmosphere the anthropogenic emissions. Uh, are really affecting our climates, uh, are creating more, uh, more natural disasters and with a, um, a stronger intensity. And of course, that's affecting everyone uh, as well as our health and, and everything else. Uh, so with that, um, there are uh, look, <laughs> the, the leaders who, who started figuring out what we should be doing. Uh, this is not sustainable. Uh, they started imposing regulations around Uh, reducing emissions in general uh, to the atmosphere of processes of industries. Uh, But then uh, eventually, with more and more studies, scientists figure out that reducing emissions is not enough because we have emitted so much carbon dioxide to the atmosphere and other greenhouse gases that even if we stop emitting today, uh, the consequences of the, 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 the gases that we've put out there in the atmosphere are gonna affect a lot our climates. Um, so we have to remove, that is more than proven uh, out there, we have to remove the carbon that we have put into the atmosphere. And nature itself does it um, by itself, but it takes hundreds of years for that to happen. And we don't have that time because we've made it so much so fast, and we're still emitting. So this carbon uh, removal market, um, Starts started from there. First, understanding the climate maths, and then realizing, okay, we don't have the solutions out there. We have to create solutions. Um, and then there's different ways of, of going about this carbon removal market. But this is uh, how it started. Why it started?
0: Yeah, and it seems that the, there's several, you know, drivers in terms of legally binding requirements for uh, companies to to remove carbon. But then there are the voluntary carbon markets where um, companies voluntarily offsetting their carbon uh, by investing in, through the credit, uh, carbon credit markets into uh, companies that can do that for them. And there also seem to be some business models where removing carbon from the atmosphere actually leads to useful products and services. Um, so... Tell us a little bit about how all those three different uh, segments are working and uh, and their relative size at the moment.
1: Yeah, so actually, um, (laughs) uh, when we talk about carbon removal, we actually um, encompass a lot of things in that market. We we encompass in general carbon removal, also a bit of point source capture, um, the, the utilization market and whatnot. So starting with the markets that you just mentioned in terms of uh, regulatory compliance markets, those are markets that were created after the Kyoto Protocol, uh, which are now, for example, the Euro- EU European trading system, as well as the California market, where industries in, in certain areas, uh, in certain sectors, uh, are have now um, caps, for example, uh, on how much they can emit. Uh, so there's markets there where you can trade. Uh, carbon dioxide credits, for example, uh, and those are imposed, are regulatory. Um, the carbon has a price uh, that is set in the market, uh, and it actually, so just so uh, as an example, the European uh, market had a, a carbon price for one ton of carbon uh, in the beginning of last year, so a year ago of uh, under 40 uh, euros, and now it has hyped um over the the last year, and it's almost hitting the 100 uh, euros. So the market is growing, and that is the the regulatory markets. And then you have the voluntary markets, which I believe uh, it's going to make more of a difference to to create and then to to, uh, grow uh, the carbon removal market faster uh, in the beginning. So actually, the regulatory market that we discussed is usually to reduce emissions it's actually not to remove emissions. So I think discussions will start happening very soon in terms of including carbon removal um, into these targets. Uh, in terms of voluntary markets, that's, um, that's focused on carbon um, emissions reductions as well as the carbon removal market. And that one is done by um, industries and companies who are conscious of, um what they've emitted and how much they've contributed to, to climate change. And they don't have any mandate that's forced, but they themselves uh, set up their own targets of, let's say cleaning up after themselves, uh, looking at, for instance, their cumulative emissions, figuring out how much that was. And first, they want to try to remove, uh, well, to reduce uh, how they meet uh, how much they meet now, and then what they can't reduce, so it's called uh, re- uh, residual emissions. They want to invest in um, removal of the emissions that they meet. So they become carbon neutral. So that's the voluntary market that happens with companies out there uh, right now. And who started it was like more um, techie startups such as Microsoft, Shopify and Stripe. Uh, but now you have Swiss Re and other companies who are conscious uh, and are getting into that voluntary market before it's too late because the regulatory markets are just taking too long to, to advance things and for us to, to solve for climate. So people in governments or, or companies are taking by their own hands and, and doing that. So that's a voluntary market. And then over that, uh, you also have the utilization market for carbon removal, which is, okay, so... Um, what can we do? We have uh, the carbon that we remove from, the, remove from the atmosphere, but either you are in a system that is a regulatory system that you are forced to remove it, so you're forced to pay, or you're in the voluntary market where basically I'm paying because I want, because I think it's necessary. So utilization market also touches a bit that. So on the utilization market, you use, for example, carbon for processes. So, for instance, to uh, produce... Um, Uh, gasified beverages so with that you can create an economic model a business model uh, that you're doing something good for the environment removing carbon and you're using it and getting some monetary value out of it Uh, so that's an example of a utilization market but we can dive deeper because there's a lot of intricacies on the utilization markets
0: If you're enjoying Impact Unicorns, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell to receive notifications of new shows bring the most relevant Impact Venture stories to the podcast. If you would like to review the show, go to the Apple Podcasts mobile app or iTunes to leave a rating and review. Well, let's uh, dive a bit deeper indeed. Uh, We've described the markets and the different uh, structures uh, that are available to uh, help people um, with the carbon reduction, carbon removal uh, objective. Let's look on the supply side. What kind of projects are there? Or what kind of uh, models are there for reducing or removing carbon out uh, in, in the market right now?
1: Um, so for removing carbon, uh, there's a lot of different types of solutions, and each of them has a, a lot of different, let's say, characteristics. So it, you cannot just compare one thing in terms of one is better than the other, one is more permanent than the other. You have to look at the whole thing. Um, so just to give you a few examples of what you can do and how can you remove that, that carbon, uh, you can remove what uh, you can say more it's nature-based solution, Uh, One that's a hybrid between nature-based and uh, technology-based and others that are more techy, more technology-based, more capital incentives uh, sometimes as well. And each of them, again, as I mentioned, has their pros and cons. So just going to give one or two examples of each, so we have the the whole view. So if we focus on nature-based solutions, one big example is planting trees because trees uh, absorb carbon as they're growing. Um, so that's a good way of you know, removing carbon. So if you plant many trees, uh, you can uh, remove carbon. However, ultimately the trees are gonna die. So basically when they die, um, they will release that carbon again to the atmosphere. So these solutions, nature-based solutions, this example, for example, um, just buys us time to figure out how t- can we remove carbon and sequester it more permanently, have a, a permanent carbon sink. So this is our nature-based sinks, uh, but how can you remove it permanently for the atmosphere? Because that's what you needed. How much we've emitted, we have to remove it back. So just give an example of a nature-based solution, which is a very good one. Uh, it has a lot of co-benefits, Uh, You can create more biodiversity and whatnot, but you also have to do it the right way. You cannot just plant any trees anywhere as you want, because imagine if you plant invasive species in an area uh, that is not appropriate and you're removing too much water from the system. So you can have adverse effects as well as positive effects. So if you move more to the techie side, for example, I'm going to give you an example of a, a permanent solution would be to remove carbon from the atmosphere via, via big machines. Um, one of them, one of the processes is called direct air capture where you have these big machines with fans uh, that let the, the air pass through and they have some kind of uh, material absorbent or absorbent if it's liquid or solid that absorbs the carbon when the carbon goes through it. So with that, you can um, you know, grab the carbon dioxide, let's say, and then um, you can either utilize it, as we mentioned, for food and beverage, let's say, um, or you can store it permanently. And this is what we're looking for mostly. So uh, one way of storing it permanently is, for instance, to um, turning the carbon, the CO2 into rock. Uh, so that can be done, for example, by uh, injecting carbon uh, underground that is certain uh, with certain characteristics. And then the the rocks that you are injecting into, of course, are solid already and you're injecting the rocks that make sense that basically will react highly with CO2 when in contact. So uh, via the different minerals that the rock has. And then when that um, connection between the CO2 and those other minerals happens, um, the carbon is mineralized; it, it turns into inert rock, so um, and it can stay there for millennia. So that's, for example, um, nature um, a techie solution that I mentioned to you that is very high quality. How we call it in terms of removing carbon and sequestering it permanently.
0: Well, let's uh, focus on, on on one or two of these. So, with the mineralization solution, for example, can you explain how the the economics of that? that business works how, how has that become profitable
1: yeah um, that, that's a very good question actually because we're talking about the utilization market for example in using the, the carbon for gasified drinks uh or food grade carbon or, or whatnot but um once you mineralize and you want to turn it into rock and not touch it because the goal is not to remove it um it stays there forever so who wins how can you create a business model out of it so we actually just talked about the the markets the carbon removal markets the uh, what we hope there are going to be more regulatory markets for that as well as the voluntary markets. so um how can this business model happen is can only it can only happen if someone is willing to pay for this but what's what's the the catch here how can they benefit from it right uh, well, the benefit is really just to doing the right thing. Uh, we need to remove carbon from the atmosphere and sequestering it permanently. And the buyers of this, let's say uh, carbon, or you can say carbon credits, let's say if you remove one ton of carbon, you can say this is one carbon credit. are people uh, or, or organizations or whatnot who are conscious that we need to do this and are willing to pay for it. Uh-huh. So basically that's the main business model. Um, If you start having those regulatory markets uh, that uh, require industries as well um, to uh, reduce their emissions to a certain point, but they cannot reduce uh, after they have the residual emissions, as we just mentioned, uh, they will pay for removing carbon uh, to get to their goals. So those are regulatory markets where uh, industries are willing to pay uh, for mineralization. So... There's two main business models, the voluntary market, where you want to get the credits because it's the right thing to do, and the other one that will help uh, industries to get to that net zero goals. And and the market, uh, something we just didn't mention before, and I think it's important to to highlight here, is that the market is just growing. There's no, (laughs) like you have all, you can see out there how many uh, net zero targets have been put via both nations as well as organizations. So it's impossible to get to those net zero goals without removing carbon and storing it permanently. That's what the definition of um, net zero means. Whatever you emit, you have to completely remove it. So the markets are growing. There's more pledges about around net zero uh, every week that goes by. So um, yeah, the, the market is definitely there. So these business models definitely work. Um, And there's plenty of space for more organizations or or solutions uh, to come. Uh, There's actually a lack of supply um, of what we call um, high-quality carbon removal and sequestration credits because there's only a few companies who are doing that around the world. So that needs to scale a lot. And there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of corporates um, asking for this. So it's exciting to be in the space right now.
0: I think this is a really interesting uh, market. So uh, you can do a lot as a company, let's say you've been in business for 40 years, you can do a lot to reduce your current carbon footprint to near zero. Unless you're in in a business that literally removes carbon, you can't really go beyond that because, you know, uh, unless your business model involves absorbing carbon from the atmosphere, how do you go less than zero? The best you can do is to be zero. But what about the 40 years of carbon that you've already produced? That's a much harder problem for you to solve. And so there's these higher quality markets that you're talking about, which uh, focus on processes like mineralization that you mentioned, which do precisely carbon removal. And so you as a company are probably going to be forced to pay a lot more for this higher quality permanent capture that offsets your historic carbon uh, output. So what are are these sort of higher quality um, carbon removal solutions trading at on the voluntary markets right now?
1: Um, Let's say currently um, you can see some credits being sold by $600 per ton versus just to give you an idea of potentially nature based credits where you're just planting trees or preserving an area uh, which can be three to ten dollars. And that difference uh, counts for a lot of things. Uh, just to, to make it clear, for example, if you're paying $3 a ton, you know, to plant trees, for example, and, and remove that carbon, there's a few things that we mentioned, right? There's no permanence on that, let's say credit. So it's low quality if you're just focused on getting the, the, the emissions, not talking about all the uh, the co-benefits. Um, and, and And yeah, that doesn't solve, like how can you, realistically remove carbon permanently with just paying three dollars per ton like that that is impossible so these techie solutions yeah they are expensive right now but to be honest this is the beginning of the market if you look at wind and solar solutions four years ago the prices were just huge even batteries 10 years ago uh, we're super costly but as you as you know if you're in the technology space um the technology curve and, and the prices the costs go down very quickly as soon as um let's say a solution starts becoming commoditized and and, and interesting for everyone and that's what's been happening also in the carbon low space with these techy solutions well first of all there's companies out there removing carbon from the atmosphere for um, that have been developed, uh, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, and they're only now starting to uh, get to a, an okay a quantity of carbon that's removed from the atmosphere. So they took years and years to develop. Um, they needed more funding, they needed more research. That was all lacking because there was no interest in the space, and it was very uh, expensive, and there were no regulatory mark- well, markets there, uh, in- you know, uh, increase the the need for carbon removal at that at that time. But nowadays, um, I'm very positive in terms of seeing the costs of uh, the engineering solutions going down. And that is due to a number of things. First, Uh, governments and and people and and, uh, organizations are more conscious that what needs to be done. So now it's not, I just want to do this, like this needs to be done. And the faster we do it, the better. So there's more interest. So with that, there's also um, more investment. Uh, I've seen funds uh, being created um, in the climate space, uh, like every month that goes by, I hear about, you know, like a 250 million fund or 800 million fund just focused on climate solutions. And besides this, there's also funds that are focused only in carbon removal. So what I see is a huge uh, flux of um, of capital coming into this space to help develop the technologies. And as you have that money coming in, people believing, people wanting to do the right thing, you will go well, the, the costs will go down and they will go down let's say fast in a time scale of technology right so I can definitely believe that um, these costs per ton of techie based solutions uh, can go down to around let's say a hundred dollars uh, per ton in 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 the next 10 years easily because it's not just the solutions that are out there right now it's new solutions that we don't know that will exist they haven't been created but they are they're they're, they're you know the, the the entrepreneurs are out there the, the minds are out there to be to build it uh the money is coming in the interest is, is here so it's just a matter of letting the human do what they do best uh, in terms of innovating and being interested in in solving for climate uh, so i'm very positive that Uh, the cost will go down a lot in the next years.
0: Over the past 20 years, I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs to build impact unicorns. In my experience, every company that has a transformative positive effect on the world does so by building strong partnerships with communities, investors and governments to solve society's biggest challenges. If you'd like to learn more about how innovative entrepreneurs can help to build a more sustainable and inclusive future, Read my award-winning book, Powering Prosperity, A Citizen's Guide to Shaping the 21st Century. From the point of view of the entrepreneurial companies in this space, I mean, these uh, high-priced uh, offsets are fascinating from a, f- from a funding standpoint because uh, I th- believe the way this works is uh, once uh, you, know, you uh, accept a credit, and um, you get the, the, the money for the for equivalent to the credit right away as the company offering the solution, but you have time to deploy the, the solution. So what that means is you have a potentially very large source of non-dilutive funding to develop your technology, especially if the, the voluntary credits are priced so high for high quality solutions. So that I think is a, an extraordinary uh, boost to innovation and scale up of these technologies, but help me understand on the, on the on the side of the issuer of these credits, why wouldn't a company just wait ten years so that they could you know pay off their historical um, carbon uh, load, if you like, uh, when it's much cheaper when it's one hundred, not seven hundred or six hundred. Yeah, that's a
1: good question. But the, the, the simple answer is we don't have time to waste. We don't cannot wait ten years to develop the technology. Uh, 10 years for someone to decide to put money on it without getting any return uh, until like you know put, having money to deploy to, to to do research and figure out what are the solutions that are going to be thriving uh, if we don't see that a market is already there we, we need more funding that money that you mentioned so what we see out there uh, is as you mentioned uh, some companies paying uh, for Uh, future removal of carbon and sequestration. So actually there are companies already that are removing carbon as we speak from the atmosphere, but the quantity is very low. So uh, these corporates who really want to do the right thing and well, (laughs) uh, they have the funding for that, uh, know how technology and how the the innovation market works. And you just need to believe the solution. Uh, and, And they're also willing to invest in solutions that they believe it will thrive. Uh, but they might not thrive. So, but like, if you don't put money on it, you will never know. So these are just conscious uh, individual organizations who want to see uh, the market grow. And if you don't put the money now, in 10 years time, you'll not have that cost reduction. So you need the money now. So uh, these companies are doing because it's the right thing. Um, They wanna be part of the solution. Uh, and it's like as I'm talking about these corporates, I can be talking about VCs, right? VCs look at some solutions. Uh, they believe several will thrive, but maybe one or two uh, will will you know give the the bang for the buck for the, for the fund, right? So yeah, for that you have to put small amounts of money, well, small certain amounts of money in different solutions, and only after you know certain milestones you can see okay this one can really thrive or that one uh, maybe not so let's put more investment in the one that uh, can make a difference and, and yeah that's how the market is, is working now both in you know the, the vc world as well as uh, these corporates who are willing to to pay money for this and, and a lot of corporates just to give an example of uh, one of the models that happens is that um, they say okay we believe in your solution but you also need to give us something back to confirm that you're doing this. So we're gonna pay you for an advanced purchase of carbon removal and sequestration. Um, uh, So we're gonna give you this X amount of money. And once you prove you can do that, we have already an LOI in place, a letter of intent to say that once you do that, we're gonna purchase X more amounts and and that's a bigger amount. So that's just giving uh, more uh, strength uh, to these solutions.
0: So how do you see this market evolving? What do you think will be some of the major trigger points to create jumps and inflections uh, to push this market forward?
1: Well, there's a few things, actually. That's a very good question, and and that's a very important one um, because we're talking about these conscious corporates are doing this because they want, but to be honest, that market is still very small. There's so much carbon air to remove uh, from the atmosphere just to give you a kind of... a uh, an average, uh, some scientists say that we need to remove a gigaton uh, of carbon per year from the atmosphere uh, by 2030. And by 2050, there has to be at the scale of 10 gigatons per year. And like, that's such a huge amount that you cannot even, you know, grasp it. So it's just like, and the market out, out here right now, it's just like, it, it, it's nothing compared to that. It's just peanuts. So there's a lot that needs to be done. How can you accelerate that movement Uh, and that removal of carbon, well, there are some some trigger um, items that you can put into place. And one of them is definitely working with policy, with regulation, like uh, accelerate these regulatory markets for not only emissions reductions from the processes, but as well as uh, emissions removals uh, because, again, uh, we, we just touched this, right? We already emitted, uh, and we're responsible for that litter, for that that we put into the atmosphere. We're not paying for that. Usually we hadn't paid in the past, so we we have to put the money now. Uh, all the market, all the economy was artificially, uh, let's say, cheap, because we're not accounting. We're not paying for that carbon. So we have to change that as soon as possible, and the, the fastest way of doing that, because people are used to the, the normal prices, and, of course, um if you start accounting for the price of carbon removal, things are going to get more expensive in the economy, but that's a real price of things and, and, and services and, and products. Uh, so I think uh, that a regulatory market needs to accelerate. We need to, to really impose uh, regulations to accelerate the removal of carbon. So that's one. And... Um, And the other one that's very important as well, uh, and we're just talking about the difference between high-quality carbon removal credits versus low-quality. How can you assure that your credit is a high-quality versus a low-quality? So for that, uh, there's a lot of uh, what we call MRV systems, so measuring, reporting, verification systems, and they can catalyze the growth of the market. And How? Well, by... Uh, certifying that a credit is more high quality. Uh, so, for instance, if a company wants to pay and, and say, I've paid for a high quality carbon credits, whatever I remove from the atmosphere because I paid for it, it's going to be permanently sequestered for hundreds of years, thousands of years. How can I prove that? How will they be willing to pay if they're not proven that there's like a certificate, a verification that that is the real thing? Uh, otherwise, they would be paying for a $3 uh, carbon removal credit and say we're doing the right thing. So um, these uh, MRV systems uh, have to develop, have to be uh, created for new solutions, for, for instance, for mineralization. Uh, so that's part of the sequestration uh, for new technologies that are being created out there. So you need to create uh life cycle analysis of, of new processes, uh, new systems, um, you have to uh, confirm that whatever is being done is being done with the, you know, the, the right measurements and can be verified that it will be permanently sequestered. So all of that assurance that the carbon credit is, is really removed um, allows for the validation of that purchase, and that allows as well uh, for the purchase uh, of more credits. So more organizations will be interested in purchasing that high quality credit, if they can confirm that they have a certificate that confirms that this is really what I'm paying for, you know, it's, it's uh, not the, the wrong thing, it's the real thing. So these are just two examples of inflection points. Uh, we could be speaking the whole day about a few other things that are, that are also important, but um, just wanted to give a, a bit of taste of what can be done to accelerate these markets.
0: Is there any evidence today that if you're a company and you're the first in your industry, let's say, to reach net zero by buying these certified high-quality carbon credits that um, offset your historical carbon production, is there any evidence that that actually leads to a lower cost of capital or more market share? So are the capital markets and the consumer markets responding to actions like this as a reason to buy from a company or fund a company versus yes. their competitors?
1: Well, to be honest, uh, as more companies put into money into this space, as we, we just uh, mentioned, uh, for instance, the advanced purchases that corporates do uh, to buy these credits, um, the, the, the credits, the removal is not realized now, it's realized in the future. That's why it's called an advanced purchase. And basically the more money is put into, well, you're just giving away money to the company to be developing itself now to be able to remove the carbon in some time uh, in the future, right? So the more money you put into it, as we just mentioned before, um, the faster you can develop those technologies, the faster you can deploy, the faster you can understand with trial and error what's working better, what's not, you can make the processes more efficient uh, on the next iteration and whatnot. So that will help lower down the costs of uh, these solutions. Uh, and that will incite, well, it will create more interest for, you know, like uh, it will help the market becoming cheaper. It will help more people democratize the market because there are a lot of individuals as well who want to participate in, in this market. So there are conscious individuals who just realize the car, the, the climate maps, how much time we have to, to solve for climate. Uh, and they themselves want to pay for the emissions they meet or even more if they they, uh, they're wealthy enough to to be able to pay for more and and give it as philanthropic funding but a lot of individuals want to enter this market and want to pay for what they're emitting with their lifestyle um but they cannot afford if you're looking at the high quality credits just because it's too high so all of this money that's putting from corporates in, in this market will help the the market become bigger via two things one the costs of the credits are going to go down, uh, and second, because of that, actually, uh, there's more people, more players, more more um, demand for these credits. There's more going to be more people and, and organizations wanting to buy these credits, and that is a snowball. Uh, you know, the the more money is put into the space, the cheaper the solutions get, and the more people are willing to to pay for these solutions.
0: Well, there certainly is an explosion of innovation and a huge opportunity in this space. So. We really uh, look forward to tracking it and seeing how it evolves over the next uh, few years. And and Patricia, I'm sure you'll be at the forefront of that. So uh, we'd love to have you back on the show from time to time to see how these incredible technologies and businesses are evolving.
1: That would be a pleasure, Indra Neal. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Thank you, Patricia. Take care.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode of Impact Unicorns, don't forget to rate and review this show by scrolling down and clicking rate this podcast. And join me next week as I talk to more inspirational entrepreneurs building the next generation of transformative companies.